Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I was joined by Martin from Comtrax. Comtrax is a tech-enabled rail logistics provider, and it was so much fun to talk in detail about rail because freight rail accounts for around 40% of long-distance ton miles, more than any other mode of transportation. But I don't think the industry dedicates 40% of its conversations to rail. So Martin and I really took a deep dive into the industry and talked about the challenges and opportunities in rail empowering shippers through choice and connectivity, and why transloading is the future of the industry. It was a great episode with some fresh perspectives, so I hope you enjoyed it. But remember that if you missed it, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com, on our YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 352. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Ready to empower the people and improve the processes that grow your business? Esker's AI-driven solutions make it easy by delivering greater speed, strategy, and security across your entire enterprise. Visit esker.com today and learn why Esker is used by finance, procurement, and customer service leaders around the world as their trusted global cloud platform. Esker transform the way you work. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Before we get on with the show, I'm going to ask you a question. We all know how important supply chain is, but what percentage of companies with high-performing supply chains achieve better than average revenue growth within their industries? It's got to be a high number, surely. Well, stay tuned, and I'll let you know if you were right at the end of the show. So today, I'm excited to welcome a self-confessed supply chain champion to our Woman in Supply Chain series. I love people who live and breathe supply chain just like I do. And today's guest really embodies that. But who is she? Well, I'll reveal it after the poll of the week. So the question we asked you, how do you feel like you're getting your time back from using AI? 69% of you said to analyze data sets to save time. 20% of you said I get my time back. 9% of you said decision making effectiveness. Now this is really interesting because I think that people are only just getting started with AI. And so it's awesome to see that 69% of you are using it to analyze data. I talked to a lot of people on the show and they're saying that, you know, that is the AI component of their platform and one of the big reasons why companies are working with them. So thank you so much to everybody who weighed in on the question of the week. We ask a question every single Wednesday morning. Now back to today's episode and the fantastic woman in supply chain I have with me today is Holly Pierce. Holly has over 20 years industry experience working at director level across multiple global organizations. Currently the director of logistics 
for CND Trojan. She is a transformation champion seeking to improve supply chain processes and customer experience through continuous improvement, vertical integration, and shared visibility. Today, Holly will be talking to us about her career so far, the changing landscape of logistics, swapping teaching for studying, and why she's a self-confessed supply chain champion. Plus, she'll be sharing her experiences as a woman in supply chain, as well as her words of advice for all the women following in her footsteps. Now, we could not have this series without our sponsors, and GoFreight is proud to sponsor the Woman in Supply Chain podcast series and blog series, recognizing women's vital role in the industry and the need to highlight their contributions and experiences. We are committed to promoting diversity and inclusion in the supply chain field and are honored to support initiatives that empower and inspire women in their professional's journeys. GoFreight is the world's leading cloud-based freight forwarding management system. In addition to its comprehensive core features, including business quoting, ocean and air freight processes, invoice invoicing and payments, accounting and finance, customers highly favor it for providing a customer-facing platform that meets the needs of freight forwarders and their clients and agents. With GoFreight, tasks such as quoting, booking, cargo tracking, and data reporting, which traditionally required email or phone communication, can now be quickly completed through a user-friendly online platform, similar to booking flights or hotels. For more information, visit GoFreight.com. So welcome to the show, Holly. Hey, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. This is awesome. I, and we are I, in our green. I know. We're wearing the same color. We did not mean to do that. But I am so happy to have you here. I have been meaning to have you in our Woman in Supply Chain series. And you and I met back in March 2023 at TPM. And we broke some crab legs together. Absolutely. It was it was nice to kind of steal away for a more reserved dinner that night. It was awesome to hang out with you ladies. And we took um what what are those the rickshaws? Yes, the pedicab. <laughs> that was so much fun. I think one of ours broke down. Oh, it was a whole adventure. And we really got to know each other throughout TPM and then on yes. that dinner. And honestly, I'm just so glad that we're connected. And just to get a chance to really dive a little bit deeper into your journey and what your career has looked like. So it seems that you've been in logistics your whole career, which is funny because a lot of the guests I have on the show have a more winding journey to supply chain. My background is fully logistics as well. So how did you get into it? Did you always want to be in supply chain or logistics? Like, Talk to me about this. So it's a dirty little secret, but my undergraduate degree is in English literature. So did not plan to go down this path. It's a very circuitous path, but um, I actually thought I wanted to be a teacher. So I actually, for undergraduate, I did two years in education, and then I realized handwriting books were not for me, and I just focused on English and philosophy. But honestly, the job that I got out of college was for a company called Playtex Products. Um, and they were just looking for someone with a bachelor's degree to come in as an international logistics coordinator. And I was like, cool. Yeah, sure. I'll throw my hat in that. They were willing to train me. The pay was good. And so I took on that role. 
And it really got me involved in the world of international shipping, um, understanding, you know, inco terms, understanding freight, you know, the movement of freight, both inbound and outbound. And so it was pretty neat. And it really got into my blood from there. And, you know, from from that point, I've kind of traversed all over the place, you know, in manufacturing as well as retail environments and really just kind of honed my skills as a logistician as well as just in supply chain in general. Yeah, just getting better and better and better. And you spent a year, I think, managing the logistics and transportation of big traveling events like the circus and Disney on ice. Like, what was that like? Because companies are out here complaining when they have to move sofas or rugs. You were transporting whole shows. And I'm so fascinated about this. So tell us all about it. You know, it's an interesting day when you have the conversation with your parents and you say, I'm running away to join the circus. (laughs) And while I technically did not run away, I did work for the parent company of Reeling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus and Disney on Ice. And so, yeah, I know. Like When people complain about boxes, I'm like, yeah, oh, you're moving refrigerators. Mm, Have you moved an elephant? Can I tell you that moving an elephant from Florida to Puerto Rico for shows and having to have a special 40 foot container for their uh, for their, you know, their leavings, their, their droppings, like those are the things you think about, you know, having to send a full ice rink down to South America. Right. Because when you're going to Bolivia and Ecuador, they don't have a lot of ice skating rings, unlike you in, in Canada. We had to send down the slats and the chillers to make the ice rinks and the floors. I mean, people, equipment, ice rinks, everything that went in, for the most part, had to come back out. And so I got very familiar with ATA Carnets, which if you've done any types of, you know, trade shows, it basically, when you send your booth, you say, I'm sending one booth with a curtain and a table skirt and this material, and it's all coming back. So basically, you don't have to pay customs duties because it's all coming back. Yeah. But let me tell you, when it's, you know, Disney princess show and it's like pink dress number one, pink dress number two, purple dress, and you have customs stopping to look at every single thing, it's a challenge. And there's stress. You know, you want to make sure that the the patrons, the kids are happy and that everything is there. You know, what would they do without their popcorn and whirly gig light up toys? Amazing. I know my mom used to move horses. So I think that's the closest that we ever got to that. Not me personally, um, but our logistics company did that. And I know that, you know, there's so much that has to get done. And I'm sure with uh, animals is, I don't even know if wildlife um, would need to get involved to a certain extent, depending on which animals it is. Right. We would usually come in through Miami because Miami is one of the biggest international gateways for that. And so you definitely have to have your CITES certificate. You'd have to have someone from wildlife there and customs there to check. And, you know, they scan to make sure that the chip that, you know, if you say you're bringing in brown bear and it's supposed to be Bobby the brown bear, you're not bringing in Sammy the brown bear. So they they scan it and they do all of that, you know, traveling with vets, traveling with the techs, all of that. It's it's very complex. And what was amazing to me is that, you know, some of the acts that were being imported, um, it was generational. You would literally have like three generations of families that were training these animals that would be able to like the horses to be in the ring, you know, that the people could stand on their backs and do this. And so it was pretty neat, the generational aspect of that for both the uh, the animal talent, but also the people. A lot of times, you know, we would have three and four generations 
in the in the show in the acts. Wow. Do you have any funny stories that you can tell us from those days? Because <laughs> I'm sure that every shipment was absolutely different from another. Bonkers. But if you have one that you that is just like really cool or funny or something that you could share, I would love that. So I, I can share one thing that was it was super stress inducing for me, but looking back on it was not a big deal. So um, you know when the circus would go in the northern border, right? They they'd go across, they'd be in New York and go to Canada, and then come back and forth and weave back and forth. And so we had to get all of our acts needed to get visas, and they needed to make sure that they had everything done with their passports. So I had duly collected all the passports for everyone and gone to the different, you know, either the embassies or the consular offices in downtown D.C., getting everything stamped and set up. Um, and the time came when I was going to meet the show. I think it was like out in St. Louis or something. And I was traveling with a briefcase with like 75 international passports. We're talking Russia, China, Hungary, right. all over the place. And I'm just this unassuming person coming through. And I actually had to get a letter from the owner of the company, who was Mr. Feld, because it was Feld Entertainment. And basically, it stated that, you know, the company has knowledge that I, Holly, am allowed to travel with all of these people's passports. I had to, like, kind of declare myself to TSA before I went through. And, like, wow. so, like this is going to look really weird. Trust me, I'm allowed to have these passports. But, you know, that was one of the more, like, you know, personal hair raising things. But it was kind of wild, you know, some of the things that would go on. And, you know, yeah. you always have to remind them, no fireworks. Don't bring fireworks back and forth. And like, <laughs> guys, no fireworks. I mean it this time. So, yeah, it was it was definitely, um, it was engaging and it was fun, stressful. Wow. I just love that. And I'm sure you are a treasure trove of stories. <laughs> so I am encouraging everybody to connect with you on LinkedIn <laughs> and ask you to tell, tell you <laughs> stories in private. <laughs> indeed. Um, sorry. I said, indeed. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Now you talked about being a, or going for teaching, I believe, but you were a professor. Were you for four years, which yes. is a bit of a gear yeah. shift. So how did, I mean, I guess you kind of came almost full circle, I would say, but how did the academic world compare to the world of what you were doing with warehouses, ATA carnets, trucks, freight? <laughs> like, why did you make that pivot? So, you know, it was an interesting opportunity where I was able to, to work with Virginia Commonwealth University and teach some courses in international marketing, you know, and transportation, which was awesome. And for me, I've always loved the academic environment, you know, being in the classroom, kind of getting a fresh perspective. And so it was so neat for me to kind of get back in there and to begin talking to students and getting their fresh perspective. And it was interesting because some of them, you know, were fresh out of there because it was graduate level. So some of them were fresh out of their bachelor's degrees, had not necessarily been in the real world, right. but they had had all the technical training, the academic training. So it was neat to get their perspective and kind of see how we would arrive, you know, at the end of a project, we would arrive at the same place, but their route was certainly different from what I did based on my practical experience. Right. Um, and so, and yeah, being a professor was one of the things that I kind of had always had in the back of my mind, like I would love to do that. Um, it's a lot of work. Okay. I got to tell you, I have great respect because it, the reading and going to class and all the papers and grading tests, hats off. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah I was given that opportunity a few years ago as well. 
And unfortunately, it just didn't make any sense for me at the time. But I was also trying to figure out, you know, how much time I would need and what would need to be done and, and all this kind of stuff. And it's a lot of work. And I would, I echo those sentiments, you know, hats off to those who are professors and who are doing the educating because it is a lot of work. But so now you're on the other side. You're currently studying for an MBA and Master's of Supply Chain Management at VCU. And so with all of your vast career experience, why did you decide to pursue further qualifications? And how do you balance that study and work and, you know, your personal life too, right? (laughs) Everybody talks about work-life balance, but you kind of have study work-life balance. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because you're right. Like I, I have achieved a lot in my career, but, you know, feedback from one of my mentors was that if I really did want to take the next step forward to move into the C-suite, I should probably obtain my MBA. Okay. And so I decided to go for a dual enrollment, right, for a master's of supply chain management and MBA. Because I, I like adding letters to the end of my name. Who doesn't, right? Like, the more letters, the better. Um, you overachiever. <laughs> like, <laughs> why do one degree when you can do two? <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it was just something that in order to take the next steps, right, to really get myself to where I see in the future, it would, it's necessary step. Um, and the program at VCU is fantastic. And I've, I've really enjoyed it. And in fact, right now I'm in a SAP ERP and supply chain management class, a summer intensive, which is intense. Um, but it, it has been a challenge. And, and what I have found is that in addition to devoting the time to be in class, right, because there's the, the physical time for class, I've really had to carve out for myself certain times. And unfortunately, it's come like in the weekends. So like early morning in the weekends, like 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. And I kind of knock out my reading, my my lessons, you know, any projects that I have to get done. Um, and then, you know, again, prepping before class. Um, it's it's tough. And I have to say, I do have a demanding job, right? I don't work the, the normal 40 hours, right? You probably add 20 to that for my work. Um, and then and putting this there. But my husband and I, we talked about it and we recognize that, you know, in order for me to really get to that point of achievement in my career, this is something that I wanted to do. And he's all, he's fully on board it means that we, uh, we either eat out or we, we, we have like quick eats for dinner sometimes. And I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. Well, and I also think, you know, it's the perspective on what it actually means and how it's short term. Yes. Right. It's not going to be like this for the rest of your life, but it might look like this for the next couple of years. And what are we willing to do as a family to be able to make that happen? And maybe a couple of years from now, you're doing the same thing for him. Right. You just never know. But, you know, again, it's not forever. Exactly. Yes. There is a terminus at the end of it. I can see it. (laughs) So you mentioned you have a full-time day job, and that is Director of Logistics for C&D Trojan with a $40 million a year budget. So just a few things on your plate, like we talked no. about. Talk to us about your role, your responsibilities. How does a Director of Logistics spend her day? <laughs> I wish I could say there was like a, an average day. Uh-huh. There is not, you know, well, we're all on supply chain, right? We know it's like next fire up. Um, 
But at this role, I'm really fortunate that I have the opportunity to really kind of influence all of the modes of transportation and logistics and supply chain. And so I have responsibility for all inbound and outbound transportation, customs clearance. You know, um, we do a lot of duty drawback, right, because we import some things, then we re-export. And one of the biggest focuses for me has been supply chain transformation. So when I first joined the organization, um, it was a lot of outsourcing to third parties. And it made sense because there wasn't a lot of bandwidth internally. And so as as an outsider looking in, I said, oh, yeah, we've had to reach out and kind of outsource this because we didn't have the bench strength. But as I've been able to add people to my team, we've been able to kind of take things back in and vertically integrate. And one of the most important pieces of that was our international freight. And so we we don't actually import a ton, we export around 10,000 containers a year. And we have been outsourcing that to multiple freight forwarders. I'm talking double digits. There are like 11 of them. Wow. And then we had multiple customs brokers working on our behalf as well. And so, of course, to me, my first thought is, if I divide that pie up 13 ways, I'm not going to mean much to anybody. Right. And so, you know, we started looking at that and saying, okay, Let's let's dwindle it down to our top freight forwarders and then ultimately um, work with the steamship lines directly. Got a BCO contract. Right. So we took that back in house, um, negotiated drayage rates. So to move our containers from the port or to the port, took that back in house. And we actually successfully had a bid for our customs brokerage as well as freight forwarding like order management services. So we yeah. now have one provider. So one system of truth one place to put everything, you know, um, and a platform that's visible to all of my customers, both internal and external. It's It's been a slog, right? Yeah. It's not easy to do that, right. but it has been one fiscally responsible, right? We're saving so much money because we're not paying for a markup, right. but also our customers are getting the benefit as well. You know, our yeah. transit times have shortened considerably i'm talking like between 25 and 30 percent because we're able wow. to secure our bookings which yeah. is great like get more product in the market right yeah yeah <laughs> and there's like better visibility the technology is better we're leveraging our our, our service provider for better technology Amazing. I love that that's what you have focused on. And you really articulated it so well. I mean, that's taken a while, right? But it's, it's and you make like it sound years. so easy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and again, like, and in addition to that, we have, you know, like a ton of truckloads that we move and LTL and all the other fun stuff. But international, man, it's so dynamic. You have to kind of be very on top of it. And having it in-house is just so much more effective for our organizations. So what are you seeing from an industry perspective? Like what should people in a position like you sort of um, look out for as far as trends or maybe opportunities? You know, one of the things that I'm struggling with is trying to find out what the post-pandemic normal is. I'm no, talking about... I think everybody is. <laughs> do, is no. do, and I don't think there's normal anymore. Scratch it. And that's just it, right? Like, <laughs> like is it going to keep falling? Are the rates going to fall? I don't think so. Um, and, and kind of how do we add resilience into our supply chain? And some of the ways that I've done that is kind of, as I, as I mentioned, optionality, right? Having multiple partners who can provide different services that we need, whether that's ocean freight and air freight, you know, in circumstances where, you know, there's an urgent situation I need to expedite. Um, also, just like deeper tiers of our suppliers, right? It used to be you would go, oh, I have a primary supplier, great. And then I have a backup. Well, now we're thinking, huh, supplier optionality is a thing. 
I want to have a secondary, a tertiary, and give them a significant enough chunk of the business that, God forbid, something else happens, economic disaster, you know, the, the tsunami, whatever. I'm not wishing any of this, by the way. Please, no yeah, one, no right. one put that on the bingo card. Um, but that you have these other suppliers who can stand in the gap and you won't shut right. your business down. So yeah. I think, you know, trying to understand what post-pandemic um, supply chain looks like mm-hmm. and then building a resiliency within the organization has been obviously top of mind for me. And, and where I see some benefits or at least where I see some some rays of light is technology. and. Yeah. I know when we were at, you know, TPM Tech and we were talking about, it was AI, 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 right. AI, chat, GPT, <laughs> da, da, da. But honestly, can I tell you, like, I am stoked and I'm trying to instill within my team an understanding of the fact that, like, the time and effort that they once spent gleaning and trying to find information and source data and get it. Once we're able to start to use a chat GPT or an AI function mm-hmm. to do that data, you know, um, I guess, computation, Mining. right? Yeah. Scrubbing and, and yeah, putting it together. That's going to free up so much time for my human operators, right? Yeah. My people to look at it and say, oh, there's a trend here or "Ooh, right. this doesn't look good. This happened right before we had that big rate spike, you right. know, and, and really allow them to be more strategic rather than administrate. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm stoked about that. I know many people are not. They're like, <laughs> oh, they're coming for our jobs. I was like, please take that job. Like, who wanted to be the person going to 10 websites and like clickety, clickety, click? Oh, what's this? Like, I wanted that job. Yeah, I love that. And I love the way you're thinking about it and how you're getting your team excited about it. Because I think some conversations can go in very different directions. But I want to talk about the fact that you've been in supply chain for 23 years what have been some of the biggest lessons you've learned and how do you think the landscape of the industry has changed for women? So, yes, 23 years. I hope that I am, I'm aging. Well, I did. I, the pandemic definitely aged me a little bit. But um, Listen, I think I'm at 25. You're okay. <laughs> okay. We're in good company, right? We are vintage. Thank you very much. Uh, but yeah, I honestly, and I, I think about this a lot. And whenever I chat with folks who are in the business, right, and just even if it's in like, you know, going to lunch with someone, to me, one of the most impactful things has been the Amazon effect. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, people like visibility. You know, I can tell you that when I first started, it wasn't expected that like I could have instant gratification and look and see where my product was. Right. But now, thanks to Amazon, I can look on my phone and it says, your package is three stops away. Your package is two stops away. Your package is here. And so much of that has translated into the supply chain world that it really has forced freight forwarders, carriers, service providers to up the ante because I do want that. I want to know, like from an LTL provider, I want to know where my two skids are. Where are they? When are they going to deliver? Because my line, my manufacturing line might yeah. shut down if I don't have that. Right. And so I remember me, that's getting those exciting, calls. Right. I remember it's, getting those calls. Where is our shipment? Our line is yep. going to go down. Yep. And uh, force majeure and liquidated damages and all of those things. Right. Like, so that aspect, it's changed in the expectation. Right. We're all like, I want to know where my stuff is. Mm-hmm. And so that's been pretty neat to me. And, and as far as with women, oh my gosh, let me just tell you that, you know, back in the day, it was very rare to see someone who was other whether it be your sex, your nationality, your background, any of those things, right? Like it was very um, homogenous. 
And so I even talk about, you know, when I first started going to TPM 10, 12 years ago, it was very homogenous. And, and the changes I've seen over the past 10 years have been fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, and what I can attribute that to is the fact that there are more and more women in the workplace and they're showing their skill set, right? It may be less of the promotion for promotion's sake. Mm-hmm. And as you can tell with my background, I've had to leave companies before to advance my career. Mm-hmm. And maybe previously people weren't necessarily looking or are willing to engage in that type of behavior. It was, it was felt as risky. Right. And for me, it was like, okay, no, I spent four years here. You've basically told me I've hit the ceiling. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. And if you're not able to help me grow and achieve what I'm looking for, I have to look elsewhere. Right. And so I hope that that's part of it is that women have taken it into their own hands to say like, Hey, I can do better. Like, I don't have to be the person behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I can be the person presenting to the board or to the executive team. Yeah. And I think we, I think we do that too often, right? Is we think, oh, it's okay. We'll just be in, in behind the scenes. And but we everyone have so- knows what I do. Yeah. Not true. Not you true. Have to be expressive. You, and one of the, the coolest things that, if I may, one of my mentors, it was awesome. He had joined the company like a month or two before, and I had a layer in between us. And he had asked for my direct, my direct manager and him and I to have a sit down. And you know, I'm not just the type A, I'm a type A plus. So Are I you came really? in with my handy dandy worksheet and I was like, here are the projects I'm working on. Here's here's you know, like the next 12 months, and then <laughs> and here's the blue sky initiative. And you know, he sits back, he looks at me, he looks at my boss, he looks at me, and he says, Holly. I'm going to have to take the invisible wrap off of you. People are going to know who you are. And I'm getting a little choked up because that to me, it was like, yes, I am seen. Mm -hmm. I am heard. I am valued. And I, that was fantastic. And I had such tremendous support from that, from that leader. And I will always be thankful to him. Leaders listening to this, take that moment in because those were only what three words, maybe four words, right? And the impact that it can make on an underrepresented voice in that moment for the rest of their career, for the rest of their lives, those are just four words or three words that you can say to be part of an impact and make sure that people do feel heard that want to feel heard. Thank you so much for sharing that. What would you say to anybody looking to have a career in supply chain, like young professionals, women, underrepresented voices, like what would you say to them? Because you are, you are such a light and I can hear the passion in your voice and I love it. And so I'm, (laughs) I'm just curious, what would you say to them? So this job is recession proof. It is pandemic proof. It is AI proof because guess what? Even if the robots take over, you're still going to need someone to deliver the materials to your 3D printers as they print your food or whatever it is, right? We will always have a job. And so to me, that helps, right? There's always going to be job security in that sense. But also it's dynamic. Like, honestly, if you if you talk to me on a Monday, my focus is going to be on this. It's going to be getting stuff out of Africa. Talk to me on Tuesday, and it's like, oh no, no, no! I'm trying to do cross border transactions down to Mexico, and you know, the governor shut down the Texas border. So you know, every day is different. And so, being diagnosed ADHD, it's wonderful. It's like I have so much to focus on, and there's always something unique happening. 
and it's exciting, right? You're always in the thick of things. You know, think about during the pandemic when we had the vessels stuck off the coast of California, mm-hmm. and then you had the vessel stuck in the Suez Canal, and you know, all of these things. And it it really is neat to see how you can be impactful in your daily world. And mm-hmm. so many people don't think about that. They're like, oh yeah, you know, I went and I picked up you know, my Pop-Tarts from the store, they don't think about how all those components come together, the grain inputs, the plastic that's used for the cellophane to wrap it, all of that stuff, let alone the trucks. And I just think it's, if you have any inclination about like how things are made or, you know, how stuff gets done, supply chain is awesome. And it's diverse. Procurement, um, inventory control, logistics, distribution, um, quality. All of these are, are disciplines within supply chain that you can kind of immerse yourself and become an expert. So many things. Now, throughout this conversation, you've talked about mentors that you've had. Yes. But I want to ask you, why is a supply chain champion? Why is that your key to success? Because you call yourself a supply chain champion. What yes. do you mean by that? And why is having a supply chain champion in your organization so important? I think I'm going to have to trademark it. Maybe I'll get a nifty shirt like you and I'll put like supply chain champion on it. But (laughs) to me, it's okay. Supply chain is typically viewed as a necessary evil within organizations. Specifically, I'm talking about manufacturing or retail environments, right? We're a cost. We're overhead. Oh, we have to pay for the DC. Oh, we have to pay for new fork trucks, all of these things, right? And I think the pandemic, although terrible, in many, many regards, has shifted a focus or a light upon supply chain that I've been striving to kind of turn that and show it and educate my executive team, right? To champion the fact that, yes, we do need visibility. Yes, I do need systems. Yes, I do need bandwidth and extra people on my team. And here's why. And kind of really giving a real world perspective of what the cost is, why it's here, and what we can do to influence it. Right. And without having someone on your executive team who can be a sponsor for you or has a rudimentary understanding of the SCFI or the DAT or any of the indices, you know, I pull, you know, the Freitos Baltic index, right? I pull all of these things and I share it on a consistent basis and I provide it in a very digestible format, right? And I answer questions. And again, being a supply chain champion is simply understanding that without the supply chain, right, of inbound inputs or outbound goods, you don't have industry. So so truly, you need to have awareness and understand what the impact is to your business. Well, and I think it's also somebody who can communicate internally in the language that everybody else will understand. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so they understand the importance of supply chain. They understand what it brings to an organization. They understand the ROI, but they can also communicate all of that in a way that people can understand. One of the things that I I always joke and say, you, you can... You can say to me that you're a master of a subject when you can talk about it in a way that like a second grader can understand. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying there's a correlation between executives and second graders, but if you can kind of break it down into concepts that are really universal, right? And and you can show the value proposition to whoever your listener or your audience is. Yeah. Guess what? Like that just shows like, yeah, you can go into the details. I can get into the weeds with you and and kind of talk through the past history of the past five years if you want to, Mm -hmm. or you can trust me as the SME and I can kind of share with you and kind of get my, my team up to speed on those points that are necessary. 
But again, like you also have to get everybody from different levels in the organizations excited about what you do in supply chain because it touches everybody's day-to-day work, right? In a variety of different ways. And if you can communicate it to them, get them excited about what you're doing, you actually also infuse the excitement back into what they're doing as well. And so I think that's also the heart of the heart of a champion, right? Right. I mean, not just supply chain, excuse me, but all across industries and sports and all sorts of things. So one question I have for you, what's your proudest moment? What's your biggest achievement? That is tough, right? You know, I have really worked to establish myself as, you know, someone who is respected in the industry, who has good background, is able to communicate, you know, trends and kind of postulate what's going on. And, you know, we met at TPM and I've spoken there, I've spoken at different conferences. But back in 2021, I was recognized um, by Virginia Business, which is a magazine here um, distributed throughout the Commonwealth, um, as a women in leadership, right? It was their inaugural class. Thank you. And I was recognized for my contributions to supply chain. And it was really neat because kind of just to revert back to what we talked to 20 years ago, there weren't even many women in the executive ranks of supply chain, let alone those getting talked about and actually highlighted or championed. So that that's pretty that's pretty neat. To have I love that. Congratulations. Now, before we go, um, I want to ask you what advice you have for people um, following in your footsteps. But I also want to know what's next for Holly. What <laughs> What are you looking forward to? What are you doing? Yeah. So I guess my advice would be to engage. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, ask questions in your organization. Um, you know, if you find a discipline to be interesting, Try to insert yourself, go to meetings within the organization, or even just, you know, look up YouTubes or podcasts. Sarah's a great reference for that. Um, And basically, you you know, kind of imbue the things that you find interesting into your day-to-day work. And in doing so, you'll kind of present yourself as open to opportunities, you know, that are out there. And, And while a lot of times people look at it and they're like, oh, if you're not an accountant, right, you don't have a CPA, you don't fit in this box. I feel like with logistics and supply chain, we actually have very permeable walls, right? Our box is very freeform because people come with all different backgrounds. And that's what makes us awesome is our diversity of experience and what we're doing. And so I would encourage organizations not to say, well, you know, you haven't studied at the University of Georgia and gotten your master's of supply chain or whatever. Like that's that that's not necessary. You know, people with a diverse people with a coding background or an IT background are fantastic. I have someone on my team who can code in Q and Py and uh, R and Python and all of this. I'm like, do you know how awesome it is to tell IT? I got this. Like, I got don't this. worry about it. I'm going to write my own query, my own reports. Yeah. I got this, you know? Um, so again, looking from unique perspectives that someone coming from customer service or maybe even the AP team would have a really good chance in the supply chain organization. So yeah. like engage, engage, of course, be a supply chain champion, right? Yes. <laughs> that's what you're all about. And so what's next for you? Well, you know, as we mentioned, full-time job, taking classes, but honestly, this summer, I really want to just focus on family time, enjoy the summer. I'm going on a family vacation. We're going to Australia. So that's going to be awesome. You know, and, and really taking the time to have that work-life balance. So often, you know, you hear about folks who are burnt out, who don't have a good support system. You know, being able to trust my team 
to to handle stuff while I'm, you know, you know, 14 hours time difference away and, and really not able to engage. You know, trusting that, you know, our dog is going to be fine here with my in-laws for two weeks and stuff like that. Um, I've struggled with that a lot in the past, my work-life balance, right? And I used to be the person, remember blackberries? And the blackberry had that little blinking light at the top of it. Oh my god. I was the person yes. that was like, oh, oh, I'm like, oh, it's it's 11 o'clock at night. I need to look at this. <laughs> and putting barriers, you know, or not barriers, boundaries, right? Putting parameters in place to really kind yeah. of safeguard my family time and my personal time mm-hmm. is something that I'm I'm still working to establish. Um Honestly, you know, taking that time for myself, whether it's just to, you know, read book with a glass of wine or unwind in my, you know, my soaking tub. Those are the things that are important right now. Everything else is going to be there. That's the other thing, Sarah. Trust me, the work will always be there when you get back. I know. Do I hear you on that one? Well, Holly, you and I can talk for hours. You are such an inspiration to women, all young people out there. You've built an enviable career in a male-dominated environment. You deliver huge projects, manage huge budgets, but you do it with such humility and with a smile on your face too. You're a testament to what can be achieved in the industry with passion, dedication, and drive. So if any young people listening were wondering if a career in supply chain was for them, this is your sign. Listen to Holly, dive in and get involved. So did you have a guess at today's big question? At the top of the show, I asked you what percentage of companies with high performing supply chains achieve better than average revenue growth within their industries? Well, it's a huge 79%. We all know just how important supply chain is and the numbers really do back that up. So make sure you have your own supply chain champion. Holly, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing with us your journey in supply chain. Thanks, Sarah. Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. Remember to keep listening for more questions, keep engaging and reaching out on social media. You might end up as my follower of the month. If you'd like to hear more from us at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more content for you. Featuring the best and brightest in the industry, head over to letstalksupplychain.com to check out the latest and use the search bar because you can put a keyword in and the solution that you're looking for to your supply chain challenges have most likely been on the show. And remember to come back next week when I'm going to be joining joined by Yifat from Osa Commerce. Osa is on a mission to tackle data chaos in supply chain, and that is a mission we all need to get behind. So I'll be asking Yifat all about it and how they are removing the complexity from supply chain by unifying sales channels, optimizing fulfillment processes, and improving shipping strategies with one single 
platform. It's going to be filled with tips for future-proofing your supply chain, so make sure you don't miss it. And if you enjoy the show, there's a few ways to support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We're also over on TikTok. Subscribe to our newsletter at letstalksupplychain.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain. You can also find some really cool merch and find our supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. And remember, if you have not taken the quiz and joined the waitlist for the Secret Society of Supply Chain, you do not know what you are missing out on. We have exclusive content from companies and high-level executives in supply chain from Best Buy, Macy's, Logitech, HP... Zappos, and so much more. Plus, we've got monthly meetup groups specifically for women in supply chain. One of them is um, facilitated by Katie Date, formerly of MIT, now with Manifest and Connective. And we've got a monthly meetup group for marketing professionals in supply chain. And we're going to get you in front of a potential client or potential clients to find out how your campaigns are going. And remember, if you would like to be featured on an upcoming episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.